The Titan's Curse, Chapter 17, I put on a few million extra pounds. The horrible thing was I could see the family resemblance. Atlas had the same regal expression as Zoe, the same cold, proud look in his eyes that Zoe sometimes had. I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. Welcome back to Return to Camp Half-Blood. This week we are talking about chapters 17 and 18. I put on a few million extra pounds. And a friend says goodbye. <laughs> oh, no! she knew. She knew oh, I did <laughs> I'm really glad that these chapters are burned into your brain because I really mm-hmm. could not remember. No, it's all right. This week we are joined by Erica from Seaweed Brain. Ooh. Ooh. I'm emotionally distraught to be here. (laughs) Perhaps the two most important chapters in the entire series. You're right, and you should say it. (laughs) Uh, For any listeners who haven't caught you on uh, Return to Camp Half-Blood before, do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit? Absolutely. My name's Erica. I host co-host Seaweed Brain, where we specifically talk about Persebeth. So these chapters were something we really had fun talking about, but it's been like a million years since we did them. We're now on The Lost Hero. Um, So I'm really, really just, as I said, emotionally distraught to be revisiting these very important moments. Um, Yeah. I, yeah, that's, they don't need to know anything else about me. (laughs) It's not that important. (laughs) That's it. That's all that's important is that you're emotionally distraught. I think we all are. It's kind of (laughs) true. I was a lot more emotionally distraught by these chapters than I expected it to be. I'm not going to lie to you. No, I agree. I knew. And, you know, Ava was curled up on the couch today. I was. For a lot of time. So it was definitely a difficult one for her as well. It was. I knew it was coming, but um, I forgot some of the details. And mm-hmm. they got me. You know, and especially because I was choosing the songs for this week. And I found a fun match and it hurt really bad so yeah. I kind of there. I kind of feel like all over Return to Camp Half-Blood up till now has just been building up to these chapters I feel like we have like checkpoints like we have like um in the Sea Monsters movie we have Clarice's montage we yes. have Zoe dying we yes. have all of the last Lindian for me <laughs> and for me <laughs> yeah. yeah I think we have Nico's entrance for you oh yeah oh god Oh my god, the next two chapters. Yeah. The end of the end of this book yeah. is a lot. Um anyways, Neve, is it your turn to do the summary? Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> so let me do it. Dude, so much happens. No, so I know much happens. So I mean I don't I don't know what you're gonna do. That's for you to decide. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Are we ready? Like, maybe. We'll go for it. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So they're there, and they see Atlas, and they're like, we're going to fight him, and it's not an easy fight. And Talia gets a little preoccupied fighting Luke, but then Percy's fighting Atlas, but, like, Ares' curse comes back, and it's like, you can't do this. So he takes on the weight of the sky so Artemis can fight Atlas, and Artemis wins and gets Atlas back under the sky, and then Talia pushes Luke off, Luke off a cliff, and we really think he's going to be dead. Um, but like, and then, um, they still, but like, what, during the Battle of Atlas, Zoe got pushed aside by Atlas and like thrown into a, 
rocks. How the fuck was I supposed to do that? <laughs> I don't know. You got through one of the chapters, though. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And no, I didn't because I was about to mention Annabeth's dad coming in and shooting all. Oh, you're stuff. right. Doctor Chase. <laughs> Daddy yeah, Chase. I kind, of, I kind of feel bad for how much we shit on him last week for how much he comes in clutch this week. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, it was no because <laughs> it was rightful, and then now he's you know. He did redeem himself. Yeah. I do. A little bit. A yes. little bit. When you little accidentally bit. said loofah, I almost laughed like no, into it was the mic. Just, it was actually just loof uh, because <laughs> I was trying to speak so fast that my brain wasn't keeping up. Yeah. What well, else? What else did we miss? Um, or- well, Zoe. I mean. <laughs> Zoe doesn't technically die until the next chapter. And it's like until but 18. Still, yeah. But- so basically just all of chapter 18. It was pretty short, chapter 18. It was just sort of like. Zoe dies, and they're gonna go see the Council of the Gods. Yeah. And Annabeth has a little moment with her dad where she's like, maybe you're not the worst because you saved me from dying, but how? <laughs> that is true. And she has that interesting dialogue with Percy afterwards where she's, like, really defensive, and she's like, what, you think I made all that stuff up about my family, like, being mean to me? And she's, like, having a very introspective moment um, by herself after her dad, after her encounter with her dad, which I think is really interesting. It was really interesting. Yeah. But it was also very real. I'm glad she said that to Percy after the last chapters of Percy being like, how could Annabeth possibly hate this family? They're really nice to me. <laughs> yeah. Men. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ava, what, what musical selections have you brought for us this week? Okay, I had to do one satirical one, so I had a, you know, so I didn't emotionally overwhelm everyone here. Um meaning me so for chapter 17 i picked skyfall by adele oh go on <laughs> because sky did indeed fall yep onto um, multiple people it's true and um for 18 i picked seven by taylor swift ah uh. <laughs> brandon can't move <laughs> that was unexpected but very good mm. i know all of the words, like, I know. And the thing is, it's not even one of my favorites of hers because songs about growing up make me very sad and I don't like them. Um, but it, like the whole picture me in the trees, um, like I hit my feet, like at a very young age, all of the, mm, you know, really, really got me. And as I was listening to it, trying to figure it out, I was like, this elicits the proper emotional reaction, I think. <laughs> so that's my choice. <laughs> 10 out of 10. I like Thank it. Thank you. That was good. Good job. Thanks. All right. First things first, what did we forget about these chapters? <laughs> I don't think Ava's going to have anything to say. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot the small details. I actually, I thought she died mostly from Atlas brushing her aside. And I forgot that it was in large part due to the bite. Or the, yeah. Yeah. Um. And I so, like that a lot better, actually. I like it a lot better, too. It feels more like the sacrifice that it is because it was a more active decision and then she kept going even though she knew she was dying. Um, and that's a big thing with her. Like, she knew. She knows. She knew. She knows. This whole book is her knowing that she's going to die and mm-hmm. going for it anyways. Yep. What'd you guys get? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Annabeth's dad comes down in rain's fire from his camel. Um, I do. <laughs> it was pretty cool.
cool. I'm not going to lie to you. I wasn't expecting it. And then it happened and, and I was happy. Yeah. What else? This is an extremely minor detail, but um, in the very beginning, they're talking about summoning, I don't know how to pronounce it. So it's Bessie, summoning Bessie. Orfeo Taurus. The Orfeo Taurus, <laughs> she mooed happily. <laughs> Iconic. She mooed happily um, into this like pit of water that they just like, and I just forgot that there was a moment that Percy was like thinking about it and then it almost just showed up and Grover like sent a message like I'm losing her like stop thinking it's like what that was not physically possible and like I know a lot of things are like not physically possible but I just didn't understand that connection of like Percy could just look at a pool of water and all of a sudden like it appears yeah there there's some weird rules about how like Bessie can just show up whenever (laughs) Percy or Talia needs her to and then it made sense for Percy, but then they're like, Talia, you can do it too. So can Annabeth not like, do it? It's like, a what? weird, like, prophecy rule. Because that... I was like, well, maybe Percy could do it because it is a water animal. Exactly. And, like, he right. could just, like, make it show up because... But then they were like, Talia, try it. And I was like, Talia shouldn't be able to do this. I don't know. Weird rules. That was just something I forgot about. Yeah. Loki Bessie the Ophiotaurus is my, f- I want to put it in the running for my favorite side character of the original series. Um, genderqueer cow serpent um, who goes by multiple names, can vanish, can appear in any pool of water anywhere. Those are some sick powers. Also, like, makes friends with Hippocampi. Like, what a happy life they live. I, I think I, I would definitely <laughs> place Bessie, like, number two on my, like, magical creatures from mm. Percy Jackson. What is number Blackjack, one? Blackjack. Oh, April. Oh, April. April. I'm walking you. Yeah. That's, well, that's very good. It's so funny. And the. I was going to bring it up later, but I'm going to bring it up now. The other Pegasus named Guido. Mm. Guido. Guido. Blackjack and Guido and pork pie. And pork pie. And pork pie. Like, never who who named them? Did they My name Little Pony could never. No, <laughs> it's true. Could never. Oh, God. Yeah. They probably named themselves. I do. I agree. They do name themselves. They were like, "I am destined to be pork pie." <laughs> or like, do, do, does everyone know their names, or do they just tell Percy? And then he has to communicate to the camp what the names of the the Pegasus are. Great question. Keep being curious. Keep wow. asking questions. <laughs> this is world. This is very specific world building. I, yeah. 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 I mean, his whole horse thing is very specific. <laughs> that is true. Should I do a what I forgot? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, not to steer the conversation too soon, but I think that the iconic moments that I would never forget, obviously, is Percy taking the sky from Annabeth. Yes. Yes. Very iconic. Obviously, gray streaks. But, and Zoe's death. I can see the stars again, my lady. Br- beautiful, brilliant. The part that I didn't really register until I reread the series for our podcast was that, like, the ch- like what's going on with Luke's arc in this chapter is freaking insane and annabeth and luke's relationship and talia and luke's relationship oh my god luke literally is like in this moment i don't i guess i shouldn't spoil it but like in this moment like he is at the crossroads like if he can't get talia to join his side 
and summon the Ophiotaurus, then he is like doomed to a fate that he did not sign up for when he decided to start working with Cronus. And so when you read back and you read this moment, you're like, oh my god, like Luke was in it so deep at this part. Like he was pulling a full Draco Malfoy Half-Blood Prince at this moment. Like he was questioning everything and he needed his female friends there by his side. And they... Talia was like, absolutely not. And Annabeth wanted to so bad. She wants to help him. She literally says, like, we can take him back to Olympus. Like, he is not a lost cause. She is so in deep for simping for Luke at this point. Oh, my God. And Percy witnesses the whole thing. And then they have that conversation later where he's like, didn't feel good. Doesn't feel good at all that Annabeth uh, feels the same way about Luke that she knows I feel about her. And it's crazy. Oh, yeah. When when he's like, "I, I just knew you were alive the whole time. And, and she's like, yeah, that's exactly what I feel about Luke. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Twist the knife, why don't you? Like, exactly. It was, so... it was almost very, it was very mean of her. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's really hard to watch her not be able to give up Luke mm-hmm. for so long. And yes. Especially because Talia does. Yes. And Talia hasn't this entire book. Exactly. Because she hasn't seen him. So this entire book, she's like, a little bit hesitant not a little bit very hesitant to to believe what percy was saying about luke Mm -hmm. and then finally at the end of it realizes that it was not (laughs) everything percy was saying the depiction of their fight though was so much because i remember it was like talia had tears in her eyes like you know because like as she would like she like sees this person as like this like mutually respectful beneficial relationship and then Mm -hmm. like she's being told all these things where like he's harming people and eventually like she comes to terms with the fact that like that is true like he does actively seek to harm other people and even when he attempts to like like further the like getting over it thing in quotes you know audio no he can't see quotes but like (laughs) (laughs) like when he plays those tricks like she's so hesitant to believe it because of course she is but then like eventually she does so sad to see her finally like do it but it's also just like it's so much growth and it oh my god and then annabeth just like comes out from under the sky and is like no (laughs) (laughs) he can be saved yeah the difference between annabeth and talia like being able to get over their like relationship with luke i think is just like in thinking about how young annabeth was when they first met like he was him and talia were her entire family and then talia became a tree for years and luke was all she had Oh my god. And, like, he really turned rather quickly, like, at the point that we get in this book. So it's, like, this, like, whole evil Luke thing is still new to her. And also it makes me think a little bit about, like, her fatal flaw in being, um, in thinking she's so proud she can do anything. She's like, well, I can change him. Even if he's the most evil person in the world, like, I can fix him. Mm. No, you can't. You cannot fix the white man. I'm so sorry, Annabeth. (laughs) When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think this is a, a good transition into the theme for this week, which is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And it, in in terms of, of Luke, um, like we see a lot of, 
examples of like the idea of sacrifice in these chapters, but I think it's easy to forget that Luke also is sacrificing himself in a way. He's sacrificing himself for his cause because he believes in it so much. And he really, at this point, has sacrificed a lot of his humanity. He, the Luke we see in this book is totally different than the Luke that we see in The Lightning Thief. He's already like lost so much of himself. He doesn't talk in the same way. He's not quite Kronos yet but he's this weird in-between that is just kind of sad to watch. And he's like in pain the whole time. And so I think sacrifice is interesting because it's not always good, but like you have to believe that it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna bring up a point about Zoe, but Ava- No, you you can go. Okay. Just want to make sure, <laughs> you know, before I say anything. Um, you know, we see Zoe sacrificing herself throughout this entire story. Like, as we mentioned, she knew she was going to die through this. Um, but what I found interesting was they, they mentioned, Percy mentions vaguely that it was the poison, you know, the poison was killing her, but... He was like, but Atlas's final blow was the, like, that was the end for her. Like, that that was what was actually killing her. And I just found that a very interesting dynamic because if it was, no, the poison is still a sacrificial move. Not that, they literally couldn't have fixed it, but she still did keep fighting with the poison already in her body. So basically, Zoe sacrificed herself for, like, not just, and I was, I initially thought when I first started reading this, oh, Zo- like thinking Zoe sacrifices herself for Artemis, mm-hmm. but she also really sacrifices herself for Percy and Talia and the rest of her friends, um, which shows a lot of growth in her character. It really does. Because she would not have done that <laughs> in the beginning, even in the middle of this book, she would not have done that for them. So, yeah. yeah. It is, it's really interesting because maybe if she noticed like she obviously noticed she was poisoned but maybe she like stopped and was like oh i'm gonna die because i'm poisoned they could have stopped and done something about it but she was like i'm probably gonna die if we take time to address this it's gonna waste our time so she sacrifices her chance of surviving the poison once and then she sacrifices herself in the moment in which atlas kills her Mm. so she just does it twice and both times are super important and she's just the queen of sacrificing herself. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sacrifice, but sacrifice is so like the great theme choice. Great theme choice because it's it's prevalent in so many ways in this in these two chapters. But like. Like, again, like, the obvious one is, like, Percy, that comes to mind for me is Percy sacrificing himself by taking the sky, which is huge, but thinking about Percy and Luke being, like, foils to one another, Luke is also going through this, like, five-book-long sacrifice of, like, offering his body up to Cronus and, like, becoming the, like, avatar figure for the Titans to fight the war, and Percy is also on that same quest at the same time, becoming, like, the avatar figure, sacrificing himself to be, like, the pawn of the gods to fight this war, because it ultimately comes down to Luke and Percy, and, like, them fighting, and I I feel like this, like, long-term, like, sacrifice that, that 
uh, Luke is undergoing and like literally like you said like his soul basically being ripped apart and like his body him completely transforming um makes me think of like what Percy will do to books from now to like transform himself and like take a life possibly life-ending risk to um sacrifice himself and his like personal needs to become like this like pawn for the gods which is just so unnerving because all the demigods basically are sacrificing themselves at the end of the day to fight the gods battles for them which is upsetting exactly like they're there's a line in chapter 17 that's really interesting where Percy's like, oh, a Titan can't just attack a mortal, but if a mortal attacks a Titan, like, they're free to, to do it because, like, these immortal beings can't directly interfere until they're interfered with. And so they kind of have to manipulate the demigods and mortals into doing their bidding because by some weird... Greek mythology cosmic rule that they're not they're not allowed to directly do it so basically demigods and mortals have no choice but to sacrifice themselves because that's the situations that the gods manipulate them into mm-hmm. yeah we've talked about that before that this is a very unfair bargain yeah. <laughs> when it comes to um these sort of missions and stuff it's insane and uh i kind of think it's a metaphor for capitalism. Capitalism. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, because it's the idea of, like, wealthy owners of companies sacrificing the uh, manual labor uh, in order for themselves to get rich. They can't do all of the manufacturing uh, and production on their own, so they have to manipulate working-class people into doing the work for them even though the working class people aren't reaping the benefits of the work that they're doing. Oh, for sure. And it's also kind of like just the idea of like, I have the power to like, I I don't know, you said it for the most part, but like, I think also there's an aspect of, um, of like, I also have the power to keep money from you. Yes. So like you can really do anything I tell you to, because there's not only the societal pressure, but there's also like the economic power that I have and i think that's exactly represented in the war of the gods and titans it's not really capitalism versus anti-capitalism it's like two versions of capitalism yeah one one is worse and like Mm -hmm. one has one has unions and one does not have unions (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'll let you decide which is which and like this is a stretch but I'm going to say it. Go for it. We if love you stretch. think about when the war actually begins, it's similar to when the pandemic began this year, because we saw who was really getting hurt by these systems as yep. very rich people have got to get tested in 20 minutes and continue about their daily lives and not have to worry about this while essential workers and that's like such a bad this is a tangent but like essential workers is such a manipulative term it is like it really is. i they are essential to propping up this very harmful and abusive economy that we should not be like we should not be forced to participate in um so they are essential in keeping rich people rich and safe from what's going on in the world right now but essential workers are the ones that don't have health insurance because they can't pay for it and like they're the ones actually getting hurt by this thing when rich people keep getting richer 
And like, exactly. that is kind of similar to what happens when the war of the gods starts. A You're lot right. of demigods die, and the gods are all right. They just kind of watching it happen. Like, I completely oh, agree. There's so many interesting parallels, like, y'all could talk about this later, but there's so many interesting parallels to, like, The Last Olympian and, like, the past year and a half, um, especially, like, when you get into New York City and everyone is asleep and it is silent and the cars are stalled in the middle of the road and, like, the demigods have to, like, pull the mortals out of the way just to, like, protect them from, like, this battle that has nothing to do with them but is affecting their whole lives, like... It's definitely, and like Rachel, meanwhile, makes the choice to like fly from her safety of Florida and her rich family into the city. I just, bleh. but it's, it's definitely really interesting. Um, it like mimics a lot of the things that we're experiencing right now. Exactly. For sure. And we, we look at to how the war for the demigods starts long before it starts for the gods. Like yeah. the, the war for them started after the lightning thief. That's when shit started going down, yeah. like, through Sea of Monsters, their their camp was attacked, and the gods don't even start to consider it a potential threat until the end of this book, is when they're actually like, maybe we should keep an eye out, and they still don't really engage until the last Olympian. Like, you see, it gets, it gets more and more, especially across the course of this book, we've seen little cameos from all the gods, most of yeah. the gods over the course of this book, but it's they really just wait till the absolute last minute until it starts like oh no Cronus is going to come attack our home now we actually have to do something mm-hmm. yeah and in heroes of olympus they straight up quit they straight up zeus straight up <laughs> says olympus is closed you're not getting any help from us and like says that's it we're not getting ourselves involved which is awful just gets so worse yeah. you think in 2000 whatever when rick wrote this he was like I bet this is going to mirror an like a pandemic 10 years down the road and people are going to compare the events of this book to real life that is <laughs> in why. this exact way. Obviously, I think Rick probably knew that this was a metaphor for um, capitalism. For sure. Because it's written a little too well for him to <laughs> accidentally do that. Um, but yeah, it's just very interesting. <laughs> He yeah. did not know it would be so accurate. Or maybe he did. Maybe Rick Riordan knew before everyone else, and then he just he could have he could have been the whistleblower, and then he was repressed and had to write it into a children's book. His Twitter yeah. is really prophetic. Like I would not be surprised. <laughs> maybe he is the oracle. Oh. Yeah, well, if you, like, if you, at a certain point, if you're, like, really studying and thinking about Western civilization, and you're, like, writing Western civilization and these, like, archetypes of it into your books as, like, the gods, then, like, they're going to mirror capitalism and, like, brutality and all of these kinds of things that just repeats itself. So, you know, if you study this history well enough, you probably will continue to say things that will come true again. Yeah, Yeah, like, it's, even if... he was intentionally or not trying to create some allegory for the death of capitalism in America. Um, he could not help but write that because he was modeling it after how Western civilization works. Well. <laughs> oh what God. other moments of sacrifice did we see? I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do the Take up space. You Take up space. <laughs> I, you know. Um, Annabeth's father. Mm. I didn't see. I, I, the more I thought about it, the more I feel like it's sacrifice because it's not. I don't. 
think he's ever really at the risk of like losing his life kind of sacrifice. But he is in a really comfortable spot where he has this little nuclear family that he is fine and he sees these people go off to save his daughter and he really has no obligation to actually save her. Like, I mean, obviously he does, but he is told it is very much out of his power and ability to save her. But he says, no, like I will do anything for my daughter in this moment. I think probably out of guilt because he fucked up so badly the rest of her life. And then I, he probably had a moment where he was like, oh no, I did so bad. And now she's going to die. I really need to make it up to her because I can't like have her her die after treating her like this the whole time, which sounds awful, but I think is really good. Um, so he puts himself in this dangerous situation where he might not actually be able to help. And he does. He is the reason that they're able to escape. And he didn't have to do it, but he did. And I think I think that's like I think we think of sacrifice a lot as like sacrificing your life for something. But I think sacrifice is anything like going out of your comfort zone. Like like not like abandoning safety, whether it's physical or mental or social to put yourself in a situation where you might be harmed uh, in order to do some something that you believe is good. And I think, so we see a lot of examples of sacrifice in these chapters and I, I like that they're not all people just giving their lives for something because I think we can all take principles of sacrifice into our own lives uh, without having to die for die. it. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I mean, likewise, I think Annabeth kind of sacrifice when you said um sacrifice is kind of anything that sort of forces you out of a comfort zone or like you know makes you put walls down or anything like that I feel like in a similar way Annabeth sacrifices sort of the narrative that she knows and understands um and has kind of assumed that will be with her forever and has grown to accept sort of about her family and about her dad and stepmom um sort of sacrifices this sort of she's so sure you know about it and it's kind of like a closed book for her um but she kind of sacrifices like the end of that to open it back up and be like maybe you know like maybe if things become different I can recontextualize I'm like that's scary as hell you know yeah so I think like we see her do that on the Pegasus, you know, <laughs> have a little sacrifice moment at the very end, um, just about her family and about sort of, she, I don't think she's like convincing herself that what she has felt has been untrue. Cause I think that she knows her worth and she wouldn't do that. But also I think like there is kind of like a moment where she's kind of like, okay, well this can be true, but this could also theoretically be true. And even opening her mind to that possibility is sacrifice because it is sort of getting rid of some of her own safety and it is scary for her. So yeah, I think there's that. <laughs> That's yeah. a really good point. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> the Ophiotaurus is obviously like an obvious example of like something that is 
in the plot, like, to be sacrificed, and we found out, like, Theophytaurus is the myth mythical beast, which I was confused about the first time I read it, because in mythology, I think it's only mentioned, like, one time in surviving texts by, like, Ovid, that, about, like, what this creature was, and how if you sacrifice it, it gives you the power to kill the gods, but, like, at the same time, it, there's a, also, like, an interesting, um, relationship with the Ophiotaurus and the sacrifice, because, uh, this, like, idea of sacrificing innocence, and that being something that, like, any, like, the gods are so willing to do, they're like, just murder it, even though it's, like, a perfectly happy, innocent creature, and Percy says, no, I'm not going to sacrifice my morals by killing this innocent thing, I'm going to, like, do whatever it takes to protect it, because I don't believe that sacrificing, you know, basically babies in this way is going to get you anything positive, like, if you do that, you're just as bad as Kronos, who ate his children, sacrificed the lives of his own children to, like, gain power, um, so basically, not killing, not, like, involuntary, how do I say it? Not, um, non-consensually sacrificing another living being and continually sacrificing yourself, um, over and over and over again, which is what Percy does in these books. Wow. King shit. Not all men. Zoe literally says in this chapter, not all men. Percy would never. I was never. gonna say that. I was like, wait, she really did just say not all men. She <laughs> really did. No, that was, it was interesting. Because I do, there's a part of me that's like, okay. You know, like, I have issues sometimes with, like, cis men writing things that they are probably like, this will be pretty feminist. Because chances <laughs> like, because <laughs> every female character in these books. Uh. Exactly. And I'm like, chances are good. Like, like, intention, fabulous. But, like, if it is coming from a perspective of someone who is, no, like, who is a cis male, like, I really think that, like, it will not produce the desired effect all the time. Mm -hmm. Actually, most of the time it will not in my experience and opinion so I had a moment there where I was like okay like I I understand this like Zoe Percy development moment but the fact that like Rick Riordan a whole man is like writing he's like mm, she says not all men and I'm like ooh, yeah. Artemis <laughs> says not all men <laughs> Artemis is like you did good for a man it's like oh my god <laughs> Artemis is really out here going not all men but I found it more more impactful this is a little bit off topic but i found it more impactful that zoe she does say not all men which is like a little bit a little bit funny but she more importantly says that you're not hercules yes. which i yes. think is been this dynamic that's been building this entire book mm -hmm. that percy has some scary parallels to hercules yep. on similar um through, through similar experiences and on similar earning similar like spoils of war like the, mm. the lion the thing. Task, and, yeah yeah so he, it's definitely been this comparison that's been building the entire series. And Zoe, as someone who personally knew Hercules, was obviously getting a little spooked. So I think that the most important thing she says is that he isn't Hercules because, you know, Hercules doesn't have a great <laughs> ending. So like, I think that it was more like that was the takeaway I really took from the Zoe-Percy relationship that Percy has a chance now to not relive the fate of this old hero that he was like showing a little bit of similarities to um and you know and then zoe also oh, and <laughs> zoe also has like um that growth of not all men which is a little bit weird but we'll <laughs> i'll deal with it yeah i i think the 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 past the writing of how it happens i do really like the, the resolution in their relationship with each other. 
um, and also how it it relates to Percy's relationship with Talia. Like, because there are a lot- Percy, Talia. Me too. Because Talia and Zoe are very, very similar people. Mm -hmm. And we see Percy at conflict with both of them, but gets along with Talia more. But the parts that that Percy and Talia have conflict (laughs) with are very much the Zoe parts of her. And so in watching- him and Zoe come to this res- resolution. We kind of see moving on from that more resolution between Percy and Talia. I don't really know how to elaborate more <laughs> on that, but because I don't know if I have good examples of it. But but the vibes. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, being we talk a lot about Percy and Annabeth specifically on our podcast, obviously, and so tracking Percy's like development going from being a boy to a man at the end of this book and the whole Hercules parallels is something like this is my favorite book in the entire series all of the all whatever 15 or so books Rick Riordan has written this is my favorite so I'm biased but I think that like it is interesting to see him like Percy like he has he's no Annabeth and so he's been forced into this like situation with all these other strong women um and he's like so confused the whole time he's like I don't know what do with this woman like why she no be nice to me she's so (laughs) and then by the end of it he's like earned their respect and so he like is able to respect them a little bit more which is like not quite the most comfortable and we see him being a little bit of a shit in Battle of the Labyrinth as well but by the time we get to Last Olympian I think that all of these experiences with women have like he is eventually they have colored him to being a man who respects women um, eventually, but I don't think we're quite there by the end of this book, based on some of the language and like his opinions of like Zoe and Talia. Although there is that one line he says like at the very beginning of chapter seventeen, like that Atlas was all the things I'd originally disliked about Zoe, with none of the good that I'd come to appreciate. So yes. I yeah. like that he's kind of checking himself there, and he's like, "I was wrong. Like people are multifaceted." <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he comes so close to completing the arc that he's on for most of the book, like, decentering himself from the story. And then the end of it is like, nope, you're the center of the story. Because he, it's when he takes, obviously taking the sky is a great personal sacrifice for Percy. But it validates all the reckless stuff that he's done this entire time. It's like, but you were meant to be here this entire time. So you were right. And it, it, it kind of invalidates the like the part of us that was like but he's really just doing this for Annabeth like he's really just trying to save Annabeth but then it's like oh wait maybe maybe he did maybe he did want the little bit of hero glory because he does for sure not that's like not why he chooses to do it but that definitely validates the part of him that was like Mm -hmm. every quest is about me yes exactly yeah and then the end of the book literally says everything is about you exactly you are the chosen one i'm the chosen one but like if it was anyone (laughs) but percy it was anyone but percy i would like be so irritated by this book because just because like you know percy got me with his little personality and his little black hair and stuff like i like him but like if it was anyone else i'd be like why are you you really think this is all about you and then it is and that's why (laughs) that's why heroes of olympus is so freaking bad or like the lost hero because it's Jason doing the exact same thing. He just shows up and everyone is like, you're the leader. And he's like, I guess I'm the leader. And he just like, is like, I'm the chosen one. And then he's just like, because he is, because he's there, because he's the man with the blonde hair. And he's no Percy. So I can only stomach this because 
It's my little man, Perseus Jackson. He's just, his his snark and sass and yeah. just makes up for it. Yeah. It balances it out. And his bisexuality. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Always that. Very that. <laughs> All right. Is it time for sass moments? Yeah, I have to find it. Oh, man. I did bookmark it. Mine, I, I'm not going to look it up now because I brought it up earlier. It was the fact that one of the Pegasus was named Vito. <laughs> like, literally just that was so fucking funny to me. Um, period. Wait, I can't believe Okay, uh, mine was in chapter after this incredibly sad moment and the part like artemis is leaving to go back to this very intense council um and she's congratulating everyone and zoe just died like literally just died and she just put zoe's constellation in the stars and um artemis leaves and annabeth's father says well dr chase died she was impressive, though I must say I still prefer Athena. I know! Like, cool joke, but was it the moment? <laughs> like, I don't know. It She's... made me laugh so hard. I was was like, she not no. 12? Was she no longer 12 at that point? No, I think she still she is 12. Was so 12. I was like... So like, I was like... I, I, like funny joke, I quit. Like, I hate it here. Like, and Ben is daughter with Athena, but like... <laughs> I know. It was like, died. like... Was it implying that like he was attracted to her like it was a weird like it like it was just really weird but like funny it was funny but also uncomfortable it was funny but not for the reason not for the reason that it wanted to be funny yeah like i didn't even laugh i just sat there like uh like (laughs) it was so weird i'm not a fan it was just kind of like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So two goddesses. Let me compare, given they're completely different places in my life. Like, what? You don't have to do that. And <laughs> after a girl died, like literally just died in front of you. When Zoe Crazy. Nightshade said, "Not all men," she was not talking about <laughs> not, no, all men. If she had been there for that moment, all men. <laughs> true. Yeah. Um. Can I see your book? Because I think. Yes. Okay. I. Had one when I was reading old copy of Titan's Curse. Mine looks pages falling out in the middle. Mine looks just like this. Don't even worry. Um, Erica, if you have one, go ahead. Okay. Are these? Remind me. Are these like? These are just Rick being sassy moments, like yeah, anything, anything. anything. They started off as like moments where Percy was being sassy, but then there, there's right all around. Just something you found funny. For Percy, I love Percy calling a titan a coward i think that's very powerful impertinent percy jackson energy but yes. the ultimate the ultimate i just i've already mentioned it but per- <laughs> annabeth that fall was pretty bad there's no way luke is still alive and annabeth says he isn't dead i know it the same way you knew about me and percy says <laughs> that comparison didn't make me too happy that i my emotions my heart it's so uncomfortable and sassy <laughs> It was a sassy moment, but she definitely didn't know. No. Like, Annabeth no. did not know she was being sassy. She was just like, I, like, she was just telling the truth. And it turned out to be, like, the most insulting thing it's, she could have said. Because Rick, moment. Rick knew he was being sassy to me. Rick, <laughs> and <right>. therefore, <laughs> terrible. It's, like, because it's told from Percy's point of view, like, we know, like, he hasn't said it out loud, but, like, it's so fucking obvious by this yeah. point. 
Like, exactly. he's in love with this girl. Aphrodite literally comes to him and is like, you're in love with this girl. And he's like, no. Aphrodite <laughs> literally comes to him and he, he's like, yeah, that looks like my best friend, Annabeth. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> Wild. Just my best friend who was picture I keep in my wallet at all times. I was going to say that. I was like, so She's spoken my mind. I was losing the ability to think through the pain. My response was something like, uh. <laughs> it's like these series of letters. It's like A, G, 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 H, H, O, W, W, W. It's like this guttural noise. <laughs> like I heard it in my brain. And I just thought it was really good. And it's very classic Percy as well. Like he hmm. still has that little bit of awkwardness. Percy's narration of being trapped under the sky was very funny. It was so human. It, it was. was so human. I was, was like, you know, I bet if I had to hold up the sky, I would act like this. Chapter 17 was just so well written. It really it also was so interesting how he became this, like, I spent that entire time that he was under the sky being like, what's actually happening? He becomes such an unreliable narrator yes, in that point. exactly. And I was like, is any of this, I mean, we'll never find out, but like, was <laughs> any of the fight actually how Percy saw it? Or was he just holding up the weight of the sky and was like, because at one point he was like, Artemis is a falcon. Yes. (laughs) Hold on. No, she's not. So it was definitely a very unreliable narrator point. And like, it's just interesting to me that we'll never really know if he's describing the fight entirely accurate. I Mm. do love the the writing technique of making a reliable narrator unreliable. And then, so you kind of question everything from this point on, like maybe Percy was driven crazy by holding up the sky and nothing ever narrates is exactly. What I'm going to tell you to stop talking now. <laughs> we need to just, it was only for the period that he was holding the sky that he becomes unreliable. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> it makes me think of great Gatsby though. You yeah. know? Mm. Yeah. All those days about Nick Carraway. Mm. 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 <laughs> anyway, that's it. <laughs> All right. It is time for offerings then. This might be an assumption, but are we all just going to give an offering for Zoe? Because I feel like we should. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, do we all get, I think it might be respectful to give a collective offering. That scene was so fucking sad. Like, I did not remember how unbelievably sad that was. If anyone wants to give an offering for anyone else, like, feel free. But. It's not going to be me, though. Uh, like, well, I knew it wasn't going to be you. Because <laughs> I'm, like, thinking, like, like, Annabeth's dad did so Good, like but... Talia did no. very well. Talia did very Talia well. Did well. Oh, that is true. However, I, you know, my full point will be going towards <laughs> my favorite I character agree. in the whole series. Throw one up for Zoe. Yeah, I really <laughs> like how we're talking about this. Percy held up the sky for a few seconds, uh, but and we're he like, did not. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I did Annabeth for most of the book. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> literally. We're, like, we're really like, you know, 
He's fine. Because I, I was really about to say, Percy ended up all right. He did okay. But he literally held up this guy. I don't know. Everyone did. Everyone did really stuff. good. But Zoe did the best and got the least reward for it. That is true. Hmm. I mean, being I, stars was kind of cute. But The parallels with Orion, I was like, this is actually what the constellation should be. Instead of the mixed <laughs> myths about Orion. Is it not? Yeah, because a part of me is like should Orion really be a constellation because of all of the stories that say what he did to Arden you know Uh, but um Greek mythology I like to believe that it's Zoe (laughs) I do I it is Zoe (laughs) yeah what are you talking about (laughs) Erica do you have an alternative option or would you like to to join the Zoe I mean stand Zoe forever and always eternal queen I would I'll give like 0.95 of my point to Zoe for dying um but also like I, I i think it's sad but at the same time it's i think it's beautiful because like she's so willing to go and like she has a beautiful like i i don't feel sadness so much as like pride and like love deep love in my bones for her but i do have to give 0.05 of my point to annabeth just to give her strength to pull through this very difficult time in her life um where she she needs to get over this man asap yeah. <laughs> she needs to work through this <laughs> desire to save him. Yes. Oh, so fucking annoying. <laughs> but I understand. I can't blame her, yeah. Yeah. It is very it's hard, yeah. Who's voted off the island? Wait, well, okay. I feel like Atlas is too obvious. I know. Mm-hmm. I always hate going with the obvious choice, I but I, I don't know if I. Any other character that I think of, I'm like. Dr. Chase for um, t- making us all uncomfortable with his oh, eyeliner. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, like, you could say, like, Luke can't even get one. Like, chapter. was Luke really, like, doing anything, right? He just did what he normally does. So many of the villain- uh, villains. Of Luke apologists. Stand there. I'm not. <laughs> so many of the villains kind of just, like, stand there and monologue that I'm like, did you really do anything, though? <laughs> Like, yeah. it's so much easier when, like, Percy does bad and you can just be like, eh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think it has to go to Atlas for killing his daughter. Mm. That is real. That is real. You know? Th- okay, can I give it to someone who was not in the chapter? Go for it. Um, the dragon. The dragon. Because... I thought about the dragon. Because the dragon is supposed to... Yeah. Um, because the dragon was supposed to protect... I mean, I, he just, there was no reason to bite at Hesperity. Like, come on, you know? Yes. Like, that's not your job. So, I think, I don't know. Like, I, like it was prophesized, I guess. But, like, I still, <laughs> no, Voting Leighton off really for not the dragon. his job description. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. I think, because, like, also because he did most of it, and Atlas didn't mean to kill her. Yes, he did. Not like a... The prophecy said shall parent perish by a parent's hand. So. He delivered the final blow, but I think the dragon did the most. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. But I, think I don't blame dragon. With a very hesitant decision, I'm going to give it to Luke, and here's why. Okay. He has not seen Talia and Annabeth. Well, he hasn't seen Talia at all until this moment. And um, like them in a room together. I understand he's very far gone, but I would just, I remember the first time I read this book, like as a child, I was like, the gang is back together. 
and he's still trying yeah. to push Talia off a cliff. Like, he really has, like, the two most supportive and, um, like, the mo- two most supportive influences he's ever had in his life and the most constant family members that he's ever had in the same room trying to, like, literally begging him to come back to, like, Olympus, both completely convinced. I mean, in the beginning of the situation, Talia is convinced that she can save him. And he still is... I, I really saw this fight as, like, the last chance that Luke mm. probably could have gone back on what he was doing. And he didn't. So I'm going to give it to Luke. Mm. Yeah. Any point past this, he's very far gone. And... Yeah. You know, Percy was not going to be the one to convince him out of this, but no. Talia and Annabeth probably would have together probably would have been the only two people able to do yeah. it. And so I yeah. honestly, I don't think he, like, I just don't think he want. He has the moral desire to stop hurting them. Yeah. So that's why I give it to Luke. <laughs> yeah, it's really shitty. Yeah, no, it's they just are like the two closest people you've ever had in your life, and he's yeah. still. It's horrifying. Like I don't. I, I don't know, like, I've known people kind of like that, and, like, it's just weird to think about the fact that, like, some people so genuinely, no matter how many sort of, like, excuses you make or, like, however many times you try to convince them to do otherwise, they're just kind of like, no, you know, I'm just going to go with the incredibly shitty option mm-hmm. of being so cruel to so many people because I want to. And, like, like yeah, he's trying it. to convince Talia in the beginning of chapter 17, he's like, we used to talk about how much we hated our parents. Like, we, this could be helpful to you. And doing this whole spiel of trying to get people to cross over to his side because of the fact that they've been disrespected. And, you know, we've talked about, he has ground to stand on. Like, he's definitely not, he just picked the entirely wrong way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wasn't even doing that to try and help. He was framing it in a way that is like this can help you you can get like we can we can right the wrongs and like but it wasn't he just needed Talia because he was going to undergo a seriously terrible fate if Talia didn't sign on Mm -hmm. so he's already captured Annabeth and put her in these like terrible situations and now that he sees his other friend he's like trying to convince her for his own personal gain again Mm -hmm. so yeah just yeah could have been the moment that turned it all around and it wasn't so i give it to luke <laughs> i i think there's an alternate universe where this is the moment that turns a lot of, where that turns something around for luke where he sees how badly that they want to help him because that that's what makes the end of the last olympian a little bit tough for me that in the at the end of the day ultimately annabeth not fully giving up on luke is what saves everyone whereas i would love to see her fully give up on him and us just see him disappear but that doesn't happen and he does kind of like become this like anti-hero who is you know, you could think, like, fighting from within himself to, like, stop this. So if this is the moment that he sees, like, that these women who are his whole family, like, wanted to help him, and that sticks with him, and that remains his humanity, and is what allows him to be able to communicate with Annabeth at the end, that, like, maybe this is important for him. Um, yeah. I would, actually, I'm gonna vote off Percy, because I hate him in this book, period. And that's my final answer. He's so (laughs) annoying! He's so annoying in this book! Why is he on this quest? <laughs> Why is he on this quest? I, I agree. I still remember the time, like when he first realized he was like, "Oh my god!" And then I realized it's just not about me. <laughs> and I was like, "Shut your damn mouth!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate it here. <laughs> this 
small bug really would have probably not happened if he had just mined his own thing. <laughs> I do not disagree with you. <laughs> Alright, folks, that is all for this week. Tune in next week where we will be discussing chapters 19 and 20, The Gods Vote, How to Kill Us, and I Get a New Enemy for Christmas through the theme of fate. Make sure to follow us on all of the social media platforms that matter. We're at Return to Camp. We also have a Redbubble store, a Patreon, and a new website, returntocamp.com. It looks Woo! so good. <laughs> and Erica, what would you like to plug? <laughs> follow us Follow us on Instagram at Podcast, Twitter at Pod. Follow me on TikTok. I'm now making Chrissy Jackson TikToks. Um, uh, you can listen to our podcast, all of the same platforms as Radio Camp Half-Blood. It is called CB Brain, Percy Jackson Podcast. We are talking about... Um, probably by the time this airs, we'll be on the Son of Neptune. So come check us out. That's wow. very exciting. That's very exciting. And I, I was on their first episode of, of The Lost Hero. So. True. Come catch Brayden um, <laughs> simping for Piper. It's a good time. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for having me.